Did Don Draper really buy the world a Coke? Did Tony Soprano really die or just order more onion rings? The finales of our favorite shows can make us argue, make us cry, and make us crazy. From Spotify and The Ringer, I'm Andy Greenwald, and this is Stick the Landing, a new podcast where we'll be telling the story of modern TV backwards, one fade out at a time. Find Stick the Landing on Wednesdays on the Prestige TV feed, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money. Up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off Guard. I'm your host, Austin Rivers, along with my co-host, Pasha Hagigi, my guy. How are you doing? A lot has been going on in the NBA over the past couple of days. We are in that time of the year. Trade deadline, you know, free agent signings, all these different things are going on in the league. Yeah. New coaching hires, new coaching fires. Uh, can't have one without the other. Can't have, have one with hires without some fires. Can't have one without the other. Um, yeah, listen, this is why the NBA basketball is the best sport because, um, and how we're able to do the pod twice a week now is because there's just always stuff happening. You can yeah. never take a week off. Um, the, we wrapped from recording a couple of days ago, and then that night, Joel Embiid had 70 points, um, which is yeah. just a huge deal, especially for a center. I mean, we saw Donovan Mitchell and Damian Lillard do that last season, but it's so different when you have this just big, gigantic guy in a perimeter-oriented league um, just just scoring those kind of numbers. is very Wilt-esque. Prime Shaq wasn't even doing that, so he also had to share the ball with Kobe. Very true. Um, I mean, 70 points in today's day equates to like 120 in like Wilt's days, 150. It's more impressive in my eyes. You've already, you've met, you let it be known that you were not a big fan of the Wilt 100 point. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's no offense. Uh, again, his numbers point to that. His numbers are insane. Yeah. And there's only a reason, one reason behind that. We all know that. I don't want to say that to be disrespectful towards Wilt. Yeah. But there is a reason why Wilt's numbers are so ridiculous that's just because he played against literally no one that could guard him i mean all he did is catch the ball and put it in the basket someone like joel Embiid scoring 70 in a modern day nba getting double teamed triple teamed every time he touches the ball shooting from the outside free throws mid-range three-pointer face up. i mean it's just a total different level of skill and a total different level of difficulty 70 points in today's day equates to like 150 in in Wilt's days. I'm not even kidding. Well, so so 50 years from now, are we going to look at Joel's 70 points no, the game, game and be like, Because eh. that was the beginning of, I don't want to say the beginning of basketball, but that was very fresh still with basketball. Yeah. Basketball's de- developed now and advanced enough to the point where even though the game will continue to, you know, evolve, I, I definitely could say that like, there's a sweet period in terms of, there's a time period where you could see the game like come together. Yeah. I think we're there. Right. So I think from here, you'll just see the evolution of players and how skilled they are. But like, yeah, we're, we're, we're it's 2023. I, I, I think we can confidently say that, you know, shit, if you go back 20, 30 years from now, the 90s and stuff like that, I would have still counted it then. Scoring 100 points in that era would be nuts. Yeah, David Robinson had 70, 71. Yeah, that's I believe, nuts. So. You yeah. know what I mean? Especially even then, you could even credit the game was slower. 
Yeah. Um, the defense is more physical, you know, so that's what I'm saying. Like, sure, 30 years from now, players will be more skilled. Maybe they'll be shooting from half court. I, I really don't know, you know, but um, it's still hard enough now to where, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. So 70 points is nuts, man. Yeah, and you know what? He did it against, you know, obviously one of the most heralded rookies that have come out of the NBA since LeBron James. So he did it in his first matchup against him. Um, do you think that he going into it is also the anniversary of Kobe's 80-point game? So yeah. do you think he went into that with a little more motivation, you know, to stick it to Wemby, kind of his welcome to the NBA moment? Also, I know he did it against, you know, Brett Brown was on the other side of that bench. Um, so there's a lot of different things that probably factored into it, right? Yeah. Um, he had plenty to pick from in terms of motivation. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of pub about that game of him scoring 70, but very little was about how it was on Victor. Yeah. So, and Victor had a great game too. I mean, obviously, you know, but it's losing it's, but you know what I mean though? Yeah. But how about Joel's reaction when he actually lined up against Victor for the first time and he saw the height difference and stuff? Yeah, yeah no, like, he did the whole face and everything. That's hilarious. It was all personal. Yeah. And then the way I was tracking Joel's, you know, points and then Kat's points, it felt very 90s, uh, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, kept, like, like, like tracking the home runs yeah. and stuff. I was like flipping back and forth watching it. I mean, Kat's first half was one of the best first halves I've ever seen in basketball. Mm. Um, he was dominant. Yeah. I knew the second half was coming though. Yeah. I, did, I know Carl. It's not a bad thing. I just, I know how it is. He's, you know what I mean? And um, you saw Chris Finch allude to that after the game. He was hot. The coach was like mad. Yeah. He was like, well, you know, you want to score as many points as you can. You want to get, you want to win the game. You know right. what I mean? Well, it, com it comes more about that than winning the game. And obviously then they lost the game and they couldn't find their rhythm after that. It's like just, you know, you get to the point where it's like not about that anymore. It's about yeah. winning the game and let's just play ball. And Anthony Edwards obviously should have been more aggressive. And he had like zero points by the four for some shit like that. Yeah. But did, they, did the refs miss some calls down that stretch? And you know, it was obvious foul call for Carl Anthony Towns that just didn't get called. Um, it's a tough loss for them and they bounced back last night. But the Timberwolves, for me, they're trending a little down as of late. Um, I know that's, you're, you're obviously a big fan of their team and think they could do great things this year. I'm becoming a little off them. How do you feel about that? You know, right now they're kind of hitting that mid-season lull. You know, season's really filled with ups and downs. Sometimes teams hit stride. They came out really fast. I always try to harp on, like, young teams doing that. You know, you can always catch some of those older teams, those teams, those playoff, deep playoff run teams. Sometimes they don't come out to the fastest start. Um, you know, a young team can really come out and, like, assert themselves like you've seen OKC do, like you've seen Timberwolves do. And then midseason, you start to see them lose some games. You're like, uh-oh. You know, what's going to happen after All-Star break? That's the question. Um, can Minnesota be used to their success? Um, can they not get bored with success? That's what the trouble is with some of these younger teams. Not that they're that young because they still have a lot of veteran pieces, but their best player is young. Um, so that's that's what you want to see from them. And then OKC obviously is pretty much all young. So, um, you know, those two teams in particular, you know, I'm very interested to watch them after All-Star break and how they're able to either maintain, you know, level up, or if you start to see, like you said, you start to see a little bit of, you know, uh, whatever you want to call and it. It's a long, in. it's a long, I'm obviously I'm being a little unfair. It's a long season. Things are going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, a loss to the Hornets at home is obviously a little yeah. weird. But it was six, a weird six, game. It was a weird game. He it's had like 40 game. something and a half. So then the whole environment's changed. Like when something like that extreme happens, 40 something points in the first half. It's like a game within the game. Yeah. Now like everyone goes in halftime thinking, well, if he does that again, he'll have more than Kobe. And it was on the anniversary night of Kobe. So you know when he went back to the locker room, Carl's grabbing his phone or Joel, someone's the Joel game too. Someone's telling him Joel has this much, and yo, you're on pay. You do this again, bro. You keep going crazy. You you can get it. You can get eighty ball, bro. Like yeah. you on Kobe's anniversary, it'd be legendary. So now the game has totally shifted from it being about winning to being about other things, which you saw Coach Finch kind of get into after the you know after the game it was very frustrating for him, as you could see. Um, whereas obviously Joel scored 70 and they won the game. Yeah. Um, 70 points is, is you like that insane. coach finished I mean, you always told me that he has, he's not afraid to call a star out and everything like that. He treats everyone the same. Do you like what that he said that, uh, cat, you know, disrespected the game or the team disrespected the game? I love, uh, you know, I, th yeah, I, I'm, I wasn't the biggest fan of that. I, I think if you were, you, you could have had a conversation with him in front of the team in the locker room in terms of the media, you could have said, oh man, you know, I, if I was me personally, I would have said, 
been a you know wonderful night by by uh, by Carl. You know, obviously, I don't think we executed our best down the stretch. Yeah. Um, I think because Carl had such a great game and dominant game that we ended up maybe playing through him too much. Right. Um, and then I think maybe that even put too much pressure on Carl to continue to try to score and force it instead of us just being Timberwolves basketball and letting Carl and Ant and all these guys kind of eat naturally. Yeah. So, you know, that's on us tonight, blah, 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 blah. That's how you say it. Yeah. I, I don't think you need to come out to the media and be like, you know, uh, Carl, you, know, you want to make it about yourself? You want to score? Like, bro, we don't need that, man. Like, you can yeah. tell Carl that in front of the team. That's all that really matters anyway. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I wouldn't. And he did come out later on and say the one thing he regrets is not, you know, giving his, you know, Carl congratulations on a great game. He did have an yeah, unbelievable. That's the reason game. probably yeah. why he came back later is because after that interview, I'm sure people were like, "Yo, bro, yeah, like you're." He had a career career night. I don't even think that was his career high. I thought he had like 65 versus the uh, Spurs. Oh, uh, it was his career high, right? I, I'm almost positive that Giannis had. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry that uh, Carl had 65 versus the Spurs in San Antonio. Spurs just getting numbers dropped all of them left and right. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Anyways, regardless of what, yeah, I, I I think that is how you handle that. I, di I didn't like that press conference, to be completely honest with you. I thought yeah. he was being a little, I don't know, just seemed a little salty. I, yeah, I, I get it. They lost. And I know that's why he was pissed because this guy had 60 points. Um, But, you know, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So, well, you know, that's what makes the Timberwolves such a dangerous team, though, is they have two players that could, you know, go off for a 60-point game. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, Anthony Edwards, if he scored 60, you wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Carl Anthony Towns has done it before. And when you have two guys, and obviously, we just talk about how deep they are and stuff. I do think they're super talented. And, you know, me saying I'm off them a little bit, that's unfair. That's still at the top of the Western Conference, them in OKC. So, you know, obviously, they're having a great season. But I guess... Yeah, I get, I get caught up a little bit in when a team loses or a bad loss like that. I'm just like, you know, I ride the wave. Like, I guess what everyone does with the Lakers, like we say all the time, if the Lakers lose a game, it's like losing 10 games for another like a normal 100%. Team. Yeah, but the Timberwolves are obviously still up there. And and, and to back to the point, because I feel like we glossed over it a little bit. 70 points. I, I, I want Victor to, to remember this game. I don't think he'll ever forget it. You know, this, this <laughs> I think this is a defining moment in his career. I think you, like you have them especially if we're talking about the storyline, you know, we talk about the Jordans, the LeBrons, the Kobe's, the Shaq's, the whoever, you know, there's always these games. We talk about Kobe, the air balls in the playoffs. You know what I mean? And we, we you go back to, uh, you know, Shaq and some of his, you know, maybe his mistakes that he made in Orlando early on. And, you know, Michael losing to the Detroit all the time. And, you know, I don't even think he made the playoffs his first. Did they make the playoffs his first couple of years? And the, well, the Chicago, they were bad. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they all had these these similar experiences, right? Victor's on a team that's very bad. You know, the Spurs are a bad basketball team. Right. Um, they're obviously rebuilding. He's the first piece, the main piece. And, you know, this is this trial and error that he goes through, even though he's putting up decent numbers. It has to create some type of, you know, there has to be good habits that come out of these bad habits of this team. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can't be like a losing culture in these things or like affecting him. And that won't happen with the Spurs and with Popovich over there. I don't think it'll happen. But having 70 motherfucking points dropped on your dome top is is something that he should take with him for the rest of his life. We talk about welcome to the NBA moment. Yeah. Brother, that was personal if I've ever seen it. You've gotten more hype and more publicity than any other player in the NBA, including LeBron James. From this summer to now, I haven't seen the NBA Instagram post anybody more than you, Victor. You go into Philly to play the most dominant center in the NBA. And I mean, Joe's before the game. It's all mind games. You know, the little tall thing, laughing. He's very light. You know, this is, I don't think that was, was that at halftime or before the game? I don't know when he did before, that. Yeah. It's before, regardless of which. It's all this like thing. And then when he gets in there, it's it's no sweet love. My man is out there. <clears throat> yeah. Mid-range, three-pointers, free throws, you name it. Yeah. Physical, physical, scoring on him. I mean, Victor couldn't stop him to save his life. This should be a game that he fucking marks down in his calendar. Yeah. And remembers. And then he should be looking at that next Philly game and mark that one down in his calendar. I'm like, okay. You got me this game. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm going to score 70 or anything like that. He's not the player that Joel is right now. Um, but I'm coming after you. It's going to be a little different. Yeah. Because that was completely personal. 
I don't give a fuck what Joel says. Brett Brown on the other bench, cool, great. I don't think it's a big enough reason. Uh, you know, uh, 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 what are these other reasons? Kobe I mean, anniversary. Kobe anniversary, great. I mean, sure, I guess we could all tap into that. Yeah. That was him playing against Victor. And he said, ah, there's not a lot of bigs for me to get up against. It's really usually just Jokic and Carl. Yeah. This kid, he's got all this prep. Talk about he's a, he's a next, this, next. I'm going to go ahead and give it to him. And he gave it to him. 70. Right. Unbelievable. And can I tell you something? I watched the Donovan Mitchell 70. I've seen some other 70-point games. And I felt like they had just gotten to 70. Joel's felt like he probably could have had more. It was a different kind of 70. There's, there's, listen, we've seen a couple guys score 70. Yeah. And they. I'm not taking anything away from him. 70 points is an obscene amount of points. It's crazy. If, so it's, I gotta it's, give you 20 points. It's a good game after 50. 50, yes. Yeah. So I, I have to give credit to every player that's ever scored 70. Let me say that first more and foremost. More than credit, yeah. With that being said, there are some 70-point games that have been a little nasty. They've been like, you just, it felt like they were forcing their way there. Right. Uh, you know, but also, three-pointers help, too, and everything like that. You know, if you're hitting threes, it's... Very it's, true. But, right. like, you look at Donovan Mitchell, 70. It went to overtime. A lot of free throws. Not that Joel Embiid don't show a free throws. <laughs> yeah, he shoots free throws. Joel Embiid's like the king of free throws <laughs> yeah. over here. Um, and... That one actually is bad. It's not too bad. Donovan Mitchell shot. The Devin Booker 70-point game is, 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 is it's ridiculous. It doesn't even, it doesn't even count. Yeah. They're down like third. I don't even know well, if they're if you, Given his age and everything like that, and that was I kind of his walk. That was like his, like, all right, I'm up here with these no, guys. No, 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 no. Again, 70 points is a lot of points. I'm not, I'm not like saying, I'm not trying to talk shit. I'm just, that 70-point game was not the same as Donovan Mitchell and Joel Embiid 70-point yeah. game. I don't care what anybody says. They were down 20 or 30, man. Yeah. You understand that? So that they weren't even trying to win the game. Jay Crowder got into it with them after the game. They're like, yo, y- y'all holding up a, y'all were down 30. Yeah. They were fouling on purpose so they could get the ball back so he could continue to try to go score. That's obviously a little it, different than yeah, what Joel had yeah, going on. Yeah, Joel like just in a game scoring and then like chilling on some plays yeah. or Donovan Mitchell really trying to win the game in overtime is totally different from your team being down 30 and everybody on your team, every time the other team comes down, you're like fouling or making like BS kind of defensive plays or playing Ole defense so you can get the ball back quick to see how much Devin can score. Yeah. That was nasty basketball. I don't even, it wasn't a good 70. With that being said, 50 of it was real. He had like a legitimate 55, 60. Yeah. It's not like we haven't seen Devin score 50 before. He just had 50 the other day in New Orleans. 46 last night. Yeah, 46 last night. The guy's a scoring machine. So this isn't anything against Devin or anything against his scoring ability or the fact that we don't think he probably could score 70 in the game because I'm sure that fucker could. If he really, really just was like, you know what? I don't give a fuck if we win or lose tonight. I'm going to go out there and hoist some shots. Devin could probably put up 70 because he could score that well. Yeah. With that being said, if we're talking about his particular 70-point game, it was a little nasty yeah. compared to the other guys. But, I mean, listen, that, I'll give him like 52, 55, maybe even 60 because if you go back and look at some of those early, I mean, he was cooking <laughs> that whole game. Uh, but there has to be something more when teams win and blah, blah, blah. And that was personal versus Victor. And I hope he knows that. I hope he comes back and, and understands like right. what that was. And I also want to give credit to the Spurs for keeping it just close enough that Joel had to keep playing and keep scoring. Because if it was a blowout, obviously, we would have got maybe three quarters worth. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where um, when you watch that game, you're like, man, how much more dominant can this guy be? And like, you wonder if he would have even been more selfish that game. He probably could have got to the 80 mark. Like, yeah. He really did the Kobe Kobe homage if you really wanted to. Right. Uh, but no, he did his stuff. Crazy, you, crazy day. If you're the Sixers, does this give you more reason, more incentive to say, listen, we have an all-time season from an all-time player. Are, and maybe we're not title contenders right now. Should we try to move Tobias Harris, make a move? Can I ask, can I ask we, why they're not title contenders? You have told me on this podcast that they're not title contenders. No, 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 but I want to ask why, though. Why Why were they I last year? I think the year? obsession with teams wanting big threes and stuff. They see Maxi and Embiid, and I don't know if they see that as a title team, but if you add another star there, I'm not saying it's Zach Levine, but someone like that, now all of a sudden it looks more like so, a title so team. This is, this when is, you see the Bucks and you see Damian Lillard, Giannis, Chris Middleton, or Brooke Lopez, whatever you want to put there, whatever, then you see the Celtics, their entire starting five. Then you have the Sixers up there. That I don't see the, you know, it's Maxi, who this is his first year being a big star, and then Joel, the MVP. I agree. But this is what I, this is my reaction to that. Everybody talks about James Harden isn't this, James Harden isn't that, James Harden isn't a postseason player. So if that is the only difference between this team and last year, why was it such a, they have to win the finals or coaching changes were necessary? 
Well, they also lost James Harden, and their team is pretty much. I mean, they obviously picked up a tomb and some good, you know, role players. But if that team lost in the second round, and then you lost, you lose a guy like James Harden, who's a top, I don't know, you know, forty player in the NBA, whatever you want to say. Then how are they now a title contending team? You just go, Joel just got that much better. Maxi got no, that much I'm, better. I, they did. No, I, I agree with you. My point is like, I I think that it's just like then we have different narratives for different reasons. Yeah. It's like. James isn't this. Okay, then, so why were last year Philly supposed to win the championship if, if, if James wasn't that? Right. It, it, it's like, so which one is it? Right. No, I understand. Listen, I, I know what you're saying. Like, last year was, they they maxed out with that team last year. They yeah. did as good as they could. No, okay, so how about this? I'll give you this. The Sixers could win the title this year, but it would take a Herculean effort from Joel Embiid. I think he would have to score, you know, average 40 I, I, throughout the playoffs. Now, that could, if Joel averages 40 throughout the playoffs and they could, they could ride that wave and Max is giving his 25, 30, whatever, and they could, they could be title contenders. I could see that. What I'm saying is if they make a move, maybe Joel doesn't have to average 40 something mm. in the playoffs for him to be that good, right? No, I, I, I agree. You know, um, listen, I don't, I don't think Philly's contending for a title. I think they're a really good team who go in the playoffs and make some noise and make it very difficult for somebody. With that being said, to your point, they do have the most dominant player in basketball. And with that being said, like, Anything can happen. If this guy's able to like play like this in the playoffs, look out. He hasn't been able to in his career. He's obviously obviously been good, but he hasn't been able to play to this level. If he's able to play at this level in the playoffs, then they are dangerous. Um, yeah, so back to my point, though. I want to know. They are a more balanced team, though. They are a more balanced team. It's just like you have an all-time great with an all-time season right now. Do you feel like you should make a move to, There's nothing to maximize this season? What is? Go get Bruce Brown. Go, go get Bruce. Who's out there? Who's on the trading block? DeJounte Murray? You don't need him. They have Tyrese Maxey. It'd, it'd be counterproductive. Yeah. Uh, D'Angelo Russell? So maybe not bringing a third star, but maybe something like a Bruce Brown. Somebody. There isn't a third star. Is Zach Levine a third star? Like, bro, I, I, I don't really see it. I don't, I, yeah. I don't know. There's, there's not a lot out there in terms of teams... Guys who are on the trading block, they have. I, I think I don't know. I don't have the answer to Philly. They are like where they are right now. I think they have to go into the summer and figure out if they can go get a third piece then. Unless you can really get something now that, you know, really can can justify making a move this early. I I, I just don't see it. I think you go in the playoffs, you ride this wave of Joel Joel and B's dominance, Tyrese Maxi's assurgence. And you go from there and, and you see what happens. Yeah. I will say, you said, you mentioned obviously the departure of James Harden. Did you see the picture of Joel with the Frank Lucas fur coat and them all taking pictures yesterday and having a good time? It does feel like the vibes there are at an all time high. No, there's definitely, um, a, you know, much better aura and chemistry. And you yeah. can just see the continuity there is, is definitely growing. And everyone there's just kind of playing drama free basketball. Uh, you got a new coach. You know James is out the way. Sometimes Ben Simmons is out the way. It's been a, it's been a I mean, few years in a row. When you see the issues. slate, when you see the slate clean, sometimes people can like feel like it's a fresh start. Yeah, saw it last night. We can get into the Bucks and their situation with their new hire, uh, Doc. I'm looking at the team doing a greeting line. Just in, <laughs> uh, you know what? Can I say something? All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. I didn't like. That. I'm gonna let's tee it up. Okay, I, let's talk I, I about did. it for our listeners. Obviously, Adrian Griffin out, 30 and 13, second in the East or whatever they were. And he's out. Your father, Doc Rivers, has been thrusted into the, yeah. into the head coaching role. Everyone all day was talking about Adrian Griffin. It's unfair. Obviously, you know, 30 and 13, blah, blah, blah. And then on top of that, everyone's saying how unfair it is for the Bucks to come out and dance. <laughs> this dance on this guy's grave. That was just insane. The good news is, you know, listen, Adrian lost control of that locker room, right? That's yeah. like rule number one as a coach. You can't do, even if you're not coaching well, God, have a great relationship with the best player on the team. Of course. The two best players on the team, in that yeah. case, him and Dame. Seems he lost that. Strange because the hire of him was pushed by Giannis. So that's a strange dynamic and how that's changed over those 43 games. With that being said, a 30-13 and 13 record is really good. Second place in the East is really good. I would imagine Adrian Griffin will land somewhere else. Maybe not as a head coach. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, this definitely doesn't make him look great. That having that good of a record and still getting fired like says a lot. 
You know what, though? If I'm one of those rebuilding teams, I'm not saying, I mean, obviously the Wizards job just opened up West Hunts. So that's now, what I'm saying. It's if, I'm, if I'm a rebuilding team, I, I would take a guy like that, that on that, versus that, that, maybe it just was too much for him with everything that's going on. It's his on. first year. Right. It's his first year and he's like giving a championship team, bro. Like, it's not easy to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so my thing is, you know, this guy still had a 30-13 record. Uh, yeah, but like you said, your first year head coach and you're trying to figure out how Dame has never played anyone like Giannis. Giannis has never played anyone like Dame. And you're in your first year, have, you have to figure out this Rubik's Cube and that's, of a situation. And that's the key point there is what you just said is that's the difference, right? It's like we've seen head coaches get inherited like a really good, you know, uh, Ty Lue got the Cavs team that was like really good after they fired David David Blatt, right? Yeah, David Blatt. And that was like, you know, people were like, oh, it's a first year head coach, but that team was already put together. Kyrie, the, the nucleus of that team was already put together. He had Kyrie, he had LeBron James. He had and Tyler was there. an assistant. Yeah, and Tyler so had already had, been yeah. there. So, like, it was very easy for him to step in. Adrian Griffin, Griffin, also an assistant for the Bucks, but their whole team changed when they essentially traded Drew Holiday, who was the captain and staple of their top-tier defense. Right. And Bud, who has proven always to have a really good defense. Never complained about a Bud defense. He leaves, they bring in Dame. Not only have to figure this part offensively, which hasn't been working all the time, and it can't be too bad that 30 and 13 people. Um, but that's been the focus and why this defense has really, really struggled. It just seemed like frustration started to build to where they got him out of there. Yeah. So it is what it is. He had a lot on his plate. You got to give Adrian Griffin the benefit of the doubt. He had a lot on his plate. Yeah. So to your point, Pasha, could a Washington, could have some of these other younger teams could they, could they benefit from having a guy who just went through all of this and probably is going to learn a lot from these experiences yeah. as a professional, as a politician, as a leader? That is, I'm sure he's learning a lot of different learning lessons from this. I can't speak on that. I've never been a head coach, but I'm sure Adrian Griffin's looking at this like, ah, okay. <laughs> right. I see. Yeah. And, and gonna, then when he gets a hold of maybe a younger team that's willing to listen be, and he, stuff, he, he's going to be like, oh, this is way easier he, than. Oh, and he'll, and he'll, know how to, a, he'll know how to push him and approach it the right way. Yeah. I mean, this is only going to make Adrian Griffin a better coach, whether that's someone bringing him as an assistant, high level assistant, or a head coach again. To justify the Bucks' move, because I know a lot of people have been coming at them for obviously, you know, Adrian Griffin, he's only been the coach for a few months and he's had a great record. It's kind of like if you're in a relationship and things are going well, your relationship is 30 and 13. You're, you're doing really well. Everything's going well. But you know in the back of your head, this relationship's not like marriage material, right? They're not going to win a championship with what's going on. Why waste more time? They just, let's nip, it in, let's nip it in the bud right there. And let's just not waste another year of Giannis's prime. If they know it's a problem, they're going to make a move in the offseason. Why not just do it there? You know what I mean? I feel like they think this window is not that large of a window. Right. And I think they think, let's just go for it right now. Yeah, why, why? Everyone's like, well, they could have done it. Wait, give him a year. Well, if you know he's not the guy to win a title, why not just get it done now? Well, that, that was their point. Um, you know, I, I think even, I, I can't speak for my dad, so I'm not putting words in his mouth here. I don't know this when I tell people this. I know people might assume I know, but I, I just don't. I would imagine that my dad was probably even hesitant about taking the Bucks, the Bucks job just due to respect for Adrian Griffin. All right. To where he's like, yo, man, we haven't even given him a, a fair shot. It's 30 and 13. You know, I know he doesn't have the locker room, but it's like they're second in the East. Maybe he can gain the respect of the locker room. Maybe he can, maybe he can't. I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um, there probably was a little bit of hesitation there to 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 do that, just because I know how my dad is. And Adrian Griffin's a first year head coach, first year black African American head coach, and he's been through all those 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 trials and errors as well. Not that it should matter what your color is. I don't even want to bring that into it, but whatever he's been there so you might be sympathetic to that who knows you know i can't speak for him um but i think the bucks made it clear that like yo we're we're going in a different direction regardless whether you come or not and i think that probably opened the door up and made it a little bit more clear for him and you know that's when he jumps in there and, and takes this role and to your point you know we talk about the bucks you know why do they why don't they wait till the summer you know they're like yo we got dame he's 32 uh gonna be 33 Giannis is now past his 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 early years. He's in his prime now. Yeah. And then after this, he'll be after his prime. Last year was a wasted year. They lost in the first round. Yeah, he's like, so we can't 
after last year, I think that's definitely played. Good point. Right. By the and way. you lose to the Pacers four times already this year. What if you play that? It's kind of yeah, like, it's all like, right, that's a series. Yeah, we're seeing some like <laughs> we're seeing some early right signs and we're seeing some early red flags where we're like, we can't lose another year of this guy's prime. Yeah. We have an elite player in Giannis. We've got an elite closer in Dame. We got Chris Middleton finally fucking healthy. This guy's always fucking hurt. Right. He's healthy. Brooke Lopez is healthy. Um, you know, they got a good role player that they found in Malik Beasley, who's playing his ass off. Right. Outside of that, they're a little questionable. I love Bobby Portis, by the way. Um, but after that, they do need some help on the bench defensively for sure. They need that. Um, and even offensively too, but especially defensively. But they're a very strong team. And I think their owners are like, we cannot waste any more time. We need to bring someone who has a voice, someone who can control a locker room. Yeah. And someone who's done it before. All those things point to my dad. Uh, a lot of people are like, how does Doc get this job? I don't know, man. He's like the only second most winningest African-American coach to ever coach in basketball. He's very relatable, has won. He's gone to the championship twice. Well, uh, let's talk about it. One of the best things your dad does, and everyone's been talking about the last 24 hours, is he, you know, he gets along with and can coach stars. What do yeah. the Bucks have? Two big stars. What did Adrian Griffin have a problem with? Connecting with those two stars. Doc comes in immediately. It's the respect of those two guys. Problem solved. Yeah, that's 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 the point that people right. are missing, though. I like, yeah. uh, they bring up his three-one record, him dropping a three-one record, most of which is due to his team overachieving. Right. <laughs> um, we don't have to break it down. We've done it before. No, but the, the Magic eight-one Pistons. Yeah, it's just like the bubble situation with the Clippers. Yeah, right now they're all like, coming bro, out. They didn't want to. They didn't want to be Look there. at these one-off situations, bro. They're fucking ridiculous. With the yeah. exception of the Houston one that I was a part of. Yeah. Uh, that was a collapse by us. Other, other than that, there's there's some there's some reasons behind. Well, you, you didn't that. know that Josh Smith was going to find the fountain of youth. He just started hitting threes. Josh Smith hadn't hit a three before that, and he hadn't hit a three after that. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know what what that was, but him and Corey Brewer suddenly, uh, you know, who, we don't have to, we don't have to go back into the. I, I don't want to. I was, having a, good, I, was having, I was having a good day, and so you just brought that <laughs> yeah, up. Sorry, about that. but uh, again, people like to point out the negatives with with Doc, and and not all the positives. And to your point, he's been there for less than twenty four hours, and like the two best players have already reached out to him like, man, this is going to be great. So he's already a step ahead. Right. And that's what they brought him there for. Yeah. So for the people who don't understand basketball. And let's or, talk about his Milwaukee you know, ties. He's uh, from, yeah. from Chicago. He's also from Chicago. And went to school in Milwaukee. Went to Marquette. Like, there's yeah. a lot there that people aren't really understanding and seeing. Yeah. Um, so that make this such an attractive I th- thing. I think this could be a really good thing for him. Um, Bill Simmons made a really good point on his pod. You know, with Doc coaching, obviously, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and some of the drama there, and Doc coaching with Ben Simmons and that drama, and then the James Harden issue and all that stuff, this is going to be the first time in a long time where Doc gets to coach just, like, a drama-free team with just, like, good dudes, and they're just trying to win, and, like, that's, like, obviously, Damian Lillard, who just feels, you know, obviously, he's going to be super coachable and great. Giannis, who just is, like, a... This year, you could tell he wants it more than ever. He wants the game ball, and he's running around, stomping around. He, the guy, the guy's pretty intense this season. But and Bobby Portis always looks intense. But yep. I just think this is going to be a. This was obviously such an attractive situation for your dad to coach. Um, it just makes a lot of sense on so many levels, like you said, from Chicago. It does college of Milwaukee. So and, and, and listen, uh, I, I'll give Stephen A. And, and and Perk a little bit of credit due to the fact that yeah, there is pressure on this. Yeah, that's why Adrian Griffin just got fired. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a shit ton of pressure on this. Yeah. They got to perform. And I think my pops knows that. I think everybody there knows that. Right. Um, that's why they panicked like this. I don't want to say panic, but that's why 30 and 13 second in the East midway through the season, they're like, nah. Well, what does it say to that last night they did the dance and they beat the hottest team in the NBA, the, the Cavs? Like, what does that say to you? Is like, were they that happy that the guy's gone or just yeah, happy to was, be? Listen, the dance was nuts. And the fact that they all went in a little circle. And it wasn't two of them. It was like all of them. Lord of the Flies. I don't know what was going on. There was, was like just... twenty of them. I even saw Brooke Lopez doing it, and that's when I knew this was just out of this is out yeah. of control. Yeah, <laughs> out of control, bro. The 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 I, I... <laughs> Lord of the Flies. Is so funny, bro. <laughs> what, I, I just get on my Instagram, and it's just it's just it's everywhere. Yeah. These guys huddling around in a circle, just dancing their ass off. Looks like they're the happiest that they've ever been in their life. It looks, yeah. like, they just won, it looks like they just all won a lottery ticket and they're sharing it together. I don't, I don't even know what's going on in there. Right. Um, yeah, that was a that was kind of a it's a little low blow to Adrian. Um, right. mm, yeah. Uh, well, best of luck to him. I'm sure he'll land on his feet. Obviously, that's how the NBA is, man. Just a couple months ago, my dad was out on his, you know. 
they fired him. What are the golf? What's the golf course situation in Milwaukee? I don't know. That's gonna it's gonna be a little tough. It for is him. worrisome for him. He's yeah. you know he's gonna be locked in more than ever. Uh, well, yeah. Right now, I don't think he gives a damn about a golf course. Yeah. I think he is back in the show and he is locked in. You right. know what I mean? That's all you want to do is when you're out the show is get back in it. Yeah. So, uh, congrats to the pops. Um, do you think yeah. he's gonna be looking for a little revenge if he matches up at the Sixers second round? One hundred percent. Yeah, that's, that just goes without that'd saying. be a very personal series. And he knows them pretty well. Maybe that was another part of Milwaukee was like, we can get this guy because he knows that Sixers team oh, yeah. better than anyone right now. So that's another incentive. We just named 100 already of why they would hire your father. Um, that's just another one right there. Yeah. Yeah. Does that move you, uh, move the Bucks uh, in the rankings in the East for you at all? Um, I have to see it first. But yeah, I mean, just them even playing with like fluidity like that. Yeah. Like, again, drama-free basketball. We've seen what it done for the Sixers. We can see what it does for Boston. They wanted their new coach. They didn't like it. There was a lot of like you know resentment growing in that locker room. That's all cleared away. They got a coach that they want. Everyone's excited. They're doing the gritty circle. Yeah. Everyone's out there doing their stuff. They beat the hottest team in the NBA last night, Cleveland, without him even being there. Let's see it continue to unfold. But yeah, Milwaukee could be a very dangerous team for Boston now. Yeah. For sure. If they can fix this Dame, I don't want to say fix, but if they can improve and enhance the Dame-Giannis dynamic. Yeah. You know, Doc's alluded a whole bunch of times. He wants him to play more pick and roll. He wants him to do this. He wants him to do that. We'll see. Some of these things are put out there. And if it works, I do think Boston will be a better team. Uh, obviously, I it, sure, I am biased to the people listening. Um, yeah. But I actually just truly do believe, just being even coached by him, growing up with him, that he is a better coach and that their team will be better. Yeah. Did you think your father was done coaching? I mean, he was doing the podcast with Absolutely. the ringer. Absolutely. Not. Okay. No. I just know him, and he is one thing above all else. I, I, I say this wholeheartedly. He, I don't view him as a dad. I don't view him as a as a as like some some vocal leader or anything. All these, although he's all these things. He's a good dad. He's a he's a good leader. He's this. He's that. I view this man as one thing. That is a coach. That's what he's always been. That's what he wants to be. That's what he's going to be remembered as. As a coach, man. Um, and I think he's back in his happy place. It's really him and that that competition. I think he meets competition very well. And I think he misses competition. You know, it's something that has always defined him. Um, I'm similar in that that respect. I love what I do right now. I love being able to talk to you. I love being able to be on ESPN and, and talk about basketball. Uh, would I like to be playing basketball right now? You absolutely. You bet your fucking bottom dollar, man. That's why I'm training every day, even hopelessly. I feel like a hopeless romantic. Because I'm working out with no end goal in sight. There's, yeah. there's no there's no promise that I'm going to play again, right? Yeah. But I work every day because I miss the competition and because I feel like I can. And that's just how you're wired too. Like you, if you don't go to the gym one day, it's no. I just feel like I'm getting wasted. Day. Yeah. yeah, it's a wasted day. And I I feel like you know at this point I still feel like there's a good chance of me signing somewhere, landing somewhere, and I will be ready when that my name's called. So it'll all go for something. But I know in regards to Doc, for sure. Yeah. While while we've been recording, actually, Shams, um, he just posted that your father signed through the 2027 season in the range of $40 million. That's three and a half seasons, $40 million. It's, it's a good chunk of change. Uh, what does that average out to? It's like, what, 11 a year? What's in the range of $40 million? So if you want to just say it's 40 Yeah, sure. Range of 40 I think he's going to make anywhere between 10 and 14 a year. Yeah. Um. So, you know. That's no surprise either with this, the deals that Spolster and even Monty Williams and some of these guys have been getting. And uh, my, my, my uh, if you look at Doc's last previous contracts, that's on par with yeah. what he's gotten. So, yeah, you know, listen, it's not going to be the end all be all this year. I think he has this year. I think he has next year. I even think he might have a year after that, depending on how everything goes. They have to show something. Conference finals has to happen. I'm not saying it has to be this year. It'd be great. But... Or next year they have to go to conference, something yeah. like that. There has to be something where they're like, "Yo, we're right there." Now it's now we we got we got the coach, we got the we just need like a player or two. Yeah, that has to be the adjustment going forward. It can't be something major as who's our coach. If you're asking that question, you're fucked. And that's why they made this decision. Yeah, they're thirty and thirteen. They're second in the East. They're midway through the season, and you got problems with the coach. It's like, yo, we can't go in the playoffs with this. It ain't like it's some role player who's acting up. Right, like nigga, this 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 is. This is our head coach. Yeah. Who doesn't get, who's not having uh, his voice in the locker room being heard or respected. So, yeah. You know, that's I'm that's excited to see him out there and see what he can do with that team. The one downside of it for me is I can no longer call him a colleague at the ringer. I thought that was like a cool thing that me and Doc, you know, we're just like, po you know, podcast guys at the ringer, but 
that is uh, that is gone. Another team in the East I want to talk about. Terry Rozier is now on the Miami Heat. Um, Love that trade. I know you are, you're a big fan of that trade. Do you want to talk about why? I'm a big fan of that trade just because I feel like Miami needed more scoring. Um, when you look at their team, you know, guard depth has always been a question for me. Um, I still think they need perimeter defense as a guard. Yeah. You know, they don't really have those. Yeah. I don't think they have one guy who's a perimeter defender on that team. Terry's not. He's an offensive guy. Um, you know, Tyler Hero's an offensive guy. Duncan Robinson's an offensive guy. Uh, I still think they need a perimeter defender. I really do. Um, outside of that, I think their team is pretty sound and solid. Um, do I think they're going to go win a championship? No. Do I think this is a team that you don't want to run into the playoffs? Absolutely. And then they've always been that. And yeah. they've proven that year and year and year. They just beat everybody and they somehow make it to the finals. And then we always say they can't contend and they end up contending. Right. So the problem is when they get there, we're like, we know they're not going to win and they get smacked because they've like, they've like, Thrust, they used every ounce of energy just to get there. Right. Jimmy's like, got this team on his back. And then they finally get to the playoffs. And it's like, you got Denver. It's like, no shot. You right. know what I mean? And that's exactly what happened well, last year. This is what I love about this trade, too, is because I think Miami maybe is sick of relying on these undrafted guys or these G League guys that are outplaying their contract and they're surprising everyone. It's like, all right, that gets us somewhere. But obviously, like you said, you fall short in the finals. When now we can just get a proven guy instead of relying on who's the next guy up, Highsmith or whoever. Like, it, now it's just we have a Terry Rozier who's you know a twenty points per game guy that is a hundred percent a guy that you know you could rely on to get buckets. Terry Rozier is an automatic bucket man, twenty three yeah. points per game, bro. Yeah, you're replacing that with a guy who's averaging eight points a game. Right. No disrespect to Kyle Lowry, he's at a different point in his career right okay, now. Okay, so that's something I wanted to bring up too. You and me were on three way with our friend, and he was saying, I think they're going to miss Kyle Lowry's leadership. He's an idiot. Now I want you to explain because we both agreed on the same thing why they won't miss Kyle Lowry's. I'm not saying he's not a leader, but why the Miami Heat? Won't. Kyle Lowry's a great leader. He's a winner. Um, he's, uh, shit, he'll probably end up being a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, multi, multi all-star, blah, blah. The, the list goes on. Yeah. Nothing but respect for Kyle Lowry. With that being said, he's on the back end of his career. So when we're talking about player for player, skill for skill, it's not even close between him and Terry Rozier. When you talk about what Miami needs, having some more depth, especially off the bench, right. something that can help score other than Jimmy and Tyler and the usual suspects, this is huge. You're bringing a guy who averages 20 points per game. So then people are like, well, Kyle, was such a foundation there and voice of leader. If there's any team that doesn't need that, it's this team because their exactly. whole culture and is built the about it. we both said. They're going to miss Kyle Lowry's leadership. You know what? I don't think the Heat culture, it needs that it's already type been of built leadership. In. It's been built They're going to be fine. It's been built in by Pat Riley. It's been built in by Alonzo Mourning. It's been built in by Eric Spolstra. They had it before Kyle Lowry got there. They're they going to have it after. And they've had it after. They're yeah. going to have it. That's It's part of their team. As long as Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley are there, that's the culture. And Jimmy Butler now at this point. Well, yeah. Well, Jimmy yeah. is a player, but just whoever they bring, I'm saying even when Jimmy's gone, like that's the standard there. They're not going to bring any guy who's not with it. If you're not with it, you're gone. Yeah. So like they don't need a leader in there. The leader's already there. Yeah. It's a coach standing up front that when he talks, everyone listens. And then if you want to talk about a player added to that, you got a, you got a goddamn Jimmy Butler. He's about as good as a leader as you're going to get. So you already have, you have Udonis Haslam who's still hanging around there. He's like a, a consultant or whatever he's doing there. Yeah. He's got a huge voice still in that locker room. He yeah. played yeah. there for Karan a long time. Butler just kind of working around the corner. He's got Karan Butler there. Like they got plenty of tough guys. They got plenty of guys who have been a part of the culture who fit the mold of the Heat culture and guys who have been there long enough to where like in terms of leadership and voice, it's not an issue. Right. Okay. If anything, they have too many chefs in the kitchen. They got what they need there. They're bringing in some now, some talent, some scoring. They realized they needed more. Yeah. Good trade for them. You know what I compare it to also is I look at it as, you know, we saw what Aaron Gordon was able to do when he was, you know, on a, on a bad team in Orlando all those years. And then a good team picks him up. And you could see him just being utilized and, these, and these, all of a sudden these big playoff performances. And now you got a guy like Terry Rozier. A lot of people, his talent has been wasted in Charlotte all these years. And now you could see him on a good team. And I think it could be a similar impact. I'm not saying they're going to go win a title, but... You can see something very similar where all of a sudden people that didn't know who Terry Rozier was or didn't know he was that good, you're going to see him on a bigger platform be really good. You know what? It's a great point. Just due to the fact that we all remember him having his best moments, in my opinion, when he's with Boston. Yeah, that 2018 run. And he had a great run and the, the, the epic battle between him and Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. When he came into the arena wearing a Bledsoe jersey, all the tag, it was just great stuff, man. Yeah. I think Drew uh, Bledsoe and, was courtside. It was yeah, a whole yeah, thing. It was a whole thing. And yeah. he performed and he played well. He hit him with a step back game. Yeah. Um, to go from that to Charlotte, which isn't the best culture. Yeah. Um, and obviously they lose a lot of games there. 
yeah. kind of just forgot about him. I mean, you, you you almost forget about LaMelo. We don't ever talk about LaMelo in yeah. here, man. Name the last time me and you have brought up LaMelo and just talked about him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, matter of fact, the last time we did, we went viral for saying that they got to do better for putting better pieces around them, right? Yeah. And like their team's in a similar place like now. They're just not in it. Yeah. And I think they're going to start selling more. Uh, you know, Gordon Hayward's probably gone. You hear about teams wanting, you know, Miles Bridges or somebody. They might just, Brandon Miller and LaMelo, and we're just going to kind of build around that. Obviously, do a 100%. Movement. Yeah. So that's where I feel, you know, they have to, you know, They'll probably have to blow that up eventually. I probably this summer, I'd imagine. The problem is like they have a young talent like Lamelo. Yeah. Well, he's 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 staying. He's I know. It's just like man, you. And I like what Brandon Miller's been able to do. Yeah, Brandon Miller's looking good. So yeah. they got a couple of pieces there that they can rebuild with. So you start there. To the point you said, it's going to be nice to see Terry Rozier now. Hey man, we're on a playoff team. We got a culture here. We got a, and you can see how excited he was. There's a video of him getting off the plane meeting some of the Miami people and you can see just the excitement. Yeah. He lives there. That's where he has his house. He built a house down there, I believe. He lives in Miami. Um, so that'll be really dope for him to go back there. And, and you know, the Heat were in the running. You hear their name with Bradley Beal or you hear him about Damian Lillard and they would yeah. have to give up Hero and maybe Jaime Jaquez. And now you get a guy like Terry Rozier who maybe not, he might not be the name of those guys, but you got him for a lot less. Yeah. So they might be better off with this move than getting the Bradley Beal or the... Yeah, you you keep yeah. a Hamihawkins, you keep Tyler here, you keep Duncan, you keep some of these assets that have been flown around, yeah. you know, long enough on the market. Those guys get a little bit of confirmation, like, okay, I'm not going anywhere right now. You bring in a Terry Rozier, you didn't have to bring anything or give up too much, um, especially where Kyle was at in his career. Right. It was a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Kyle's bought out in Charlotte or if he's going to be used to be like, yo, we're bringing a guy from a heat culture. We're bringing a champion. We just talked about how their culture is messed up and they need vets in there that can help. Yeah. If anybody would be great for LaMelo, Kyle Lowry would be huge for LaMelo. Yeah. In terms of habits as a pro, how to approach the game, you know, a, a variety of things. Right. So it'd be interesting to see if they buy him out and he goes and tries to compete somewhere else again or if he's going to stay put and kind of get paid to be like a mentor there. Well, a lot of teams like use a backup point guard. So if he gets bought out, he'll be, he'll yeah. be picked up very quick. Very sure. Very yeah. Uh, okay, so last night there was a game that it was more than a regular season game, I think, to you and me. It was the Suns at Dallas. Mm. And all the times that Dallas has beaten the Suns, beat them down in Phoenix. Yeah. It's always been personal. It, it, yeah. It, it was... And by the way, the Suns are hooping right now. And they have their big three out there. And Bradley Beal's hooping and Kevin Durant's hooping. Book last night, 46, and probably could have went for more. Um, how big of a win is that for them? And does it matter that Kyrie wasn't in the game? I don't know. We said the same thing when Kyrie had a good game the other day and Luka didn't play. We're like, well, what's going to happen when they're back? That's got to be the question because at the end of the day in the playoffs, they're both going to be out there, right? Yeah. So you want to see them thrive when they're both out there. Obviously, last night they lost. So it's hard to like now we say it when he's not out there, but whatever, whatever. I don't know, man. Yeah, the, the, Dallas is a tough team in terms of like judging them. I, I don't know if they could win with that team and how it's put. I, I do like Kyrie and Luka. You know, I'm not, I don't think it's, going to win you a championship. I think yeah. they can make it very difficult in a playoff series just with the scoring and firepower that they have between those two alone. But I don't know. It's a tough... That team's very tough to analyze and like try to like predict where they're going. Yeah. Um, in regards to last night, you know, it'd be nice if we kept the same energy, man. You know what I mean? It's like when Luka goes into Phoenix and plays big, the whole world is, I mean, all they do is memes of Devin and how Luca's his father. I mean, how many, how many jokes do you see? Luca's, of course. Luca's Devin's dad. That's Devin's dad. You know, da, 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 da. All we do is hear these jokes over and over and over and over again. It's all over Instagram when Luca has a big game in Phoenix. They can't get enough of it. They go down to Dallas and kick their ass. I know, I know Kyrie didn't play. So that is, but he also didn't play on Christmas when exactly, when yeah. Devin came in there and kicked your ass, he gave you 46. Yeah. So I'd like to see the same energy. Why don't y'all sprinkle that out all over the internet right. and show one of our guys in America, giving him the business. It's just so funny to me they do this. It's like they love Luca. They, they like, people like don't like Devin. The media doesn't. Like if you look at people, like Devin obviously has a huge fan base. Right, but they think he's a front runner, right? They think people that think we, he's a front yeah. runner. People think he's a little cocky and arrogant. Whether yeah. that's true or not, who gives a fuck? Oh, who cares, you know, man? I can get a Kardashian and all of a sudden you have a yeah, target on your yeah, back too. He's, he's got a lot thing. of different reasons why people don't like him. Of course. A lot of it usually just stems from jealousy. Right. Um, and you can't hate on the game though. The guy, I mean, no, that's the problem. And it's right. like, that's what we're here to do is watch the game and, 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 and watch these guys play the game. And we're yeah. here to judge the game. Who gives a fuck who he's dating or, or, what he says on the court 
or if he doesn't shake hands after he loses, brother, who cares, dog? Y'all don't do this with anybody else. Right. You know what I mean? You don't do it with anybody else. You know what I mean? They do it with a couple other guys, obviously, but like he's one of those guys that like people really like to like poke at and don't like. Yeah. And when he does well, it's like people are like, I mean, he could score. We know he could score. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like what we do with Devin. Is like when Devin like goes into Dallas and dominates and kicks Luca's ass. Everyone's like, I mean, yeah, we knew he could score. We got to see him do it though. We got to see him do it. Yeah, like, bro, cut it out. He averaged like thirty in the playoffs last year. Like enough. Thirty more. Yeah. Yeah. Just enough. Right. Enough. How big of a win is that though for Phoenix to know that they can get that? Like, okay, we could beat these guys on the road. You know, because if they ever play each other in the playoffs, it's like, okay, Dallas has their number. But I think last night shows, like, no, that's not true at all. And also, how hot is Phoenix right now? Especially with KD playing the way he's playing. KD's playing out of his mind. Yeah. And so is Devin. Uh, and you know what? Brad is, you know, people are like, you know, Brad's got to take third fiddle. He don't have to take anything. He's going to naturally take third fiddle. Yeah. <laughs> he's by far the third. He's, he's, he's not the second best player on that team, and he's not the first. The way Grayson Allen's playing, watch your back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Grayson Allen's like leading the NBA in three-point percentage. Yeah, Grayson Allen here is hoisting. It's a perfect situation for Brad. Yeah. Go play pressure-free basketball. Right. And they're going to need Brad in the playoffs. To provide scoring, which he can easily do. He's going to be he open does. too. He was open a lot last night, and he's going to be getting the third best defender. Yeah, the best defender is going to be guarding Devin or Kevin. Yeah, first two defenders is going to be guarding them, and the other ones have a sparse parcel out between him and Grayson. Yeah. So you know, Brad's going to really get to go out there and cook. They look really good right now. Um, I like that Nurkic shoved Grant Williams. I mean, that's just I you know the team's really bonded right now. You know, the well, that was just really... like, but Grant Williams does too much, man. Yeah, all the time, bro. Yeah. Here's what here's what I want to say about Grant Williams because I don't want to go on this like I'm not trying to talk shit about Grant. I don't mind if you're a raw raw guy. It just can't be louder than your play. Yeah. All right. Draymond does a lot of raw raw, and this year he's gotten a lot of shit for it because it has not his play has not been uh, louder. Yeah. In the past, even though Dre hasn't put up great numbers, even though he'd have triple doubles here and there, Warriors are rolling. He's playing. Top tier defense as one of the best defensive uh, bigs in the league, and he's vital for their offense, assists, rebounds. He's like just running the. That's when he's doing all this. Now when he's doing all the rah rah and the antics and the shoves and the technicals, and your team's not playing well and you're not playing well, now it's a. Well, fucking, he's the new signing, and it hasn't. He hasn't had a great year. Well, yeah, so. now, now it's a problem. Right now it's a problem. Yeah. Right. So now you want to see Dre. Right. And go play. And then if you play again, you can go talk and do your raw rug and just make sure you're performing, yeah. which is what you've always done. He's not doing it this year, but he's always have done that. He's always he's always backed up his talk in his own way. It's also always been easy for a guy like Draymond or Pat Beverly to talk because their roles aren't defined by scoring. It's very right. hard to talk shit when you got to go out there and score 30 every night yeah. or 20 every night. It's different when you're a hustle guy. You could talk shit all you want because the pressure ain't on you to score. You could be like, hey, man, you know. That's why, that's why I love what Jalen Suggs has done this year because he's been that guy for the Magic that's screaming, pumping up the crowd, talking to this and that, and, you know, so intense. But he's also, his play has now, this year, has met up with well, the yeah, way he's, he's screaming. He's in, a different, he's, and, in a, he's in a different bracket than all those yeah, guys yeah, yeah, right yeah. now in terms of this year. Talking just, about this year. I just love what he does. for the, you're just, Everything you're saying describes kind of what he's been doing for yeah. the Magic, but at the same time, his play has been unbelievable. Well, I don't really see him talk trash to other players or get into other players. No, no, he's just, he's just like a very vocal. He's just like that guy. For yeah, us. He's no, no one else is doing that. Yeah, he always is Mo always. Wagner is the guy that talks shit to other yeah, players. Mo, Mo the Wagner gets in other guys' heads. Yeah. I, 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 I see him talking every game he's out there talking to people. Yeah. Uh, which is actually comedy. He, he actually, that tells you he, he enjoys doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, people might get into it with, with Suggs just off of him playing basketball like a football player. He yeah. does. He's like barrels into guys and he's just all over the fucking place, but it's working right now. So you just yeah. gotta, you know, give him a little round of applause sure. and take a step back. As for Grant Williams, you need to fall back, bro. Yeah. You're not Draymond. By the way, Draymond even named Draymond right now. He's had a weird year with all these suspensions and like the Warriors aren't playing well and he's been very, you know, subpar. But I give Draymond a pass because he's had a hell of a career and he's always backed up his play for how he plays and his role and what he's assigned to do. Something that Grant Williams, I think, is aspiring to be is something like Draymond. With that being said, you know, right now, it just seems like the voice is out. The right. volume on your voice is a little bit higher than the volume on your game. You need to just, like, calm down a little bit, man. You know what I mean? Like, bro, you're, like, getting into it. It's like every game, bro. Like, you got thrown out last night. You can't be getting thrown out, bro. You're not Luka. You're not Kyrie. Yeah. Tim Harvey Jr. ain't getting thrown out. And if he did, he did. That guy's fucking scoring 40 sometimes and 30 or 20. Like, just relax, Speaking bro. of getting thrown out, did you see Luka have the fan ejected? In the audience, I was saying to him, "Yes, um, you know, you're out. You look out of shape. You look tired. Blah blah blah. Do you think that was fair? 
it, it all depends, man. There's no rhyme or reason why a fan gets ejected sometimes. Sometimes they do cross the line and that's easy. You, you're out of here. Sometimes the night's going like last night. I've been there and you're not playing your best and it's going the other way. And more importantly, a guy that you dislike is playing really well. Frustration can seep in and you're at home. And then you're, while you're at home, you have a fan nagging you and talking. It's very easy for Luka to be like, get out of here. Yeah. Dallas Mavericks posted a picture of the Luca looking at Devin at the whatever and saying rivalry week. So, I mean, yeah, they, they love it. Dallas even got they, into they it with that picture they, they going fed, towards that. But they haven't won a championship and they feed off of this shit like it's nothing else, bro. Like, this is like their thing that they love is like Luca owns Devin. Last night, it went the complete opposite. He went in there and torched him and torched the entire team. And like, you don't even hear anything about it. Yeah. There's like a little bit of highlights last night. The Suns won. Devin's a big game. Today, they were, oh, nothing. Right. Instead, we're talking about Luca kicking out a fan. Why don't we talk about Devin fucking dropping a 46-piece nugget on their fucking head, bro? Why don't we talk a yeah. little bit about that? How right. he, why don't we reciprocate that energy? Yeah. So He's, after all, an American. and plays for our Team USA team, possibly this summer in Paris. What you right. hope. Right. But by the way, did you see the pool that they picked? They left out Draymond for obvious reasons because of the suspensions and things like that. Do you think that's fair? The hell is Draymond going to do in USA basketball? He's already won a gold like the last time they had it. He barely played. And I, I don't know, care what you say. He did not play in that. He did not play. I think we could look up the stats. Look up the stats, man. He was Carlos Boozer. <laughs> I love Carlos Boozer, Duke legend. But like he got a free gold medal, man. I don't yeah. want to say free because these guys are in the gym every day fucking working their ass off. And if their name were called, they probably would go out there and perform, especially see Booze. So no disrespect. But you know how that goes. They can't play everybody on a USA team. And usually the top five or six are fucking loaded for the Olympics. I'm talking about superstars. Steph's talking about coming back and LeBron's talking about coming back and Kawhi might play. I mean, bro, it's going to be nutty. And it's like trying to get on the team type shit. So you, I'm not making fun of Draymond for not playing. Like, ain't nobody playing on that damn team, bro. Like, they had, bro, it's going to be questions of how much minutes Devin's going to play if Ant plays. If Ant plays and Devin plays and Kawhi plays or Paul George plays or Steph Curry plays and like, bro, a lot of motherfuckers ain't making that team. I was really excited to see Kawhi's name in the pool, by the way. And the fact that he's been playing all year, and if he plays in the Olympics, Bro, it's just going to change if, the if whole LeBron, narrative. First of off, I'm going. I'm going to the Olympics. All yeah. right. And they're lucky they didn't give me my German, my German citizenship. Otherwise, I've been Huba, Long, Schroeder, and Wagner. We would have been some problems. <laughs> all right. But I played USA FIBA basketball when I was 19, like a fucking idiot. Not like an idiot. That's awesome. It's a privilege. Yeah, great, man. I won a gold medal when I was 19, and no one ever talks about. Somewhere here, right? It's pretty cool. Shit is, God knows where that, that metal's at. Probably already <laughs> melted down and made into a damn necklace hanging on Jesus. I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> like, what, where did I just go with that? <laughs> I, all I know is I am kind of shitty that that's the reason why I can't. My, my mom has German background. Yeah. Grandparents have German background. I thought maybe I could. I, I, I turned on the FIBA games last year and I saw Kyle Anderson wearing schnoggles for the goddamn Chinese team. How I can't get on the German team blows my fucking mind because I played in San Antonio for the under-19 USA basketball team. It kind of bothers me, but um, I'll be there as a fan. And it actually be nice because I get to go see all the sporting events and not have to worry about like the pressure of like, being in the village, although they never put the NBA players in the village. Like in Brazil, everybody's like trapped in like some little... Uh, like Flavilla and the the, the, the the NBA players are like on a fucking yacht or some shit. Like they, they rented out a goddamn um, fucking battleship or some shit like that and put all the players. <laughs> it was something ridiculous, man. Um, but whatever. Oh, basketball's in a different city. It's south of France. That's so beautiful, though. I like beautiful. South of France is like Cannes, right? Yeah, well, I don't think they're gonna be playing basketball in Cannes. I'm just saying, like that's like it's supposed to be beautiful. <laughs> it's gonna be somewhere way different. It's gonna be something probably never even heard of. But um, still, it'd be nice to be out there. I think the family should probably go out there and do some stuff. It'd be nice to be in France in the summertime. Go watch the Olympics. Go see the sprinters. Go see maybe like a volleyball game. You know what I mean? Go see a swimming match. If there's any good like popular swimmers, um, that'd be kind of dope. But uh, yeah, that USA team's gonna be nuts, man. Yeah, I'm excited to see. Uh, like I said, Kawhi and stuff like that. All right, so I want to wrap up that Suns talk. I want to ask you right now, you know, gun to your head. It doesn't have to be that intense, but you have to make a decision right now. Suns, OKC, or Clippers? Who's the biggest threat to Denver right now? Suns, OKC, or Clippers? Clippers are the biggest threat. Suns are right behind them. 
OKC's third. Timberwolves are. You didn't put them in the list. I, know, I just wanted to see. What, I, I thought you were going to notice I didn't even mention uh, them. I'd put Timberwolves third, OKC fourth. Okay. I like OKC's team, but they're they're. I I don't I don't see them beating any of those teams in a playoff series. I like I like Jalen Williams. I think he's a stud in the making. Shea Alexander already is. Outside of that, uh, Chet is a stud in the making. Did you see Chet and Wemby last night go at it? Yeah, it was insane. I th- that fourth quarter, I wish was like an entire game of just them going back and forth. They, I love their their competitiveness, and I love how they both go at each other. It's fun. Yeah. Um, they, they, you want to see that. You know, you see like this, this. This, I'm not comparing them to Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, but like that time period. I know I'm way, I went way too far back. There's probably a million examples in between. Yeah. Fuck, we just talked about it. Devin, Luca, whatever, young stars who doesn't mean they don't like each other. They might actually like each other. There's just a competitive spirit. It seems like they don't like each other. That's so strong in between them, they're forced to almost not like each other. Right. I don't think Devin actually doesn't dislike Luca. I think he's, there's a sound bit of him playing them the, the, in Phoenix. He's like, yo, congrats on having a kid. Right. Luca was like, thank you, man. They don't dislike each other. The competitive spirit between them is so strong and magnified by the media, I can't be friends with you. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. That's what you want to see as a fan. You want to see these guys. You want everybody else complains about, oh, it's not 90s or early 2000s basketball, you know, blah, blah, blah. You want this then, right? Right. That's why, like, I know Draymond deserved to be suspended because he does too fucking much and he can, like, hurt people. But, like, you need Draymonds, man. And, like, you need the drama. Like, you, you need the competitive spirit. I, I like that shit. I, I, you know, we talked about Suggs and Mo Wagner talking shit. Like, but that shit's good for basketball. As long as there's no lines crossed, man, and no one's getting hurt, like, go do your stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, um, it's been it's been uh, it's been good to see, and I I I feel like you know that's the type of basketball that you want to see that competitive, especially when you have two young stars like Victor and Chet who are both in their rookie years. Man, they're already doing it. You you kind of start to ask your question: What's this going to look like three four years from now? Um, so it's tough, man. Victor's team is bad, and Chet's playing on a team that's already built up. And a team that's already going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be in the playoffs this year. And they're going to be competing. Do I think they're going to contend for a title? I don't. I think they could be problematic for a team. I do. Because they're so they're going to be so juiced to be in the playoffs. Right. They're going to, their crowd is going to be nuts in there. You got nothing but fucking 22,000 Christians in there. Just just going crazy, bro. Yeah. I actually like them. And they say a prayer before the whole game. It's like you got the whole like family environment there. And okay, see, it's dope. They're passionate down there. And you got this young team who everyone is excited about. Yeah. And we've talked about it. I think if you want to talk about OKC in the contending mode, they need to make a move. They got enough picks, man, for the future. They're good, bro. You got the young talent. Jalen Williams is off limits. Chet is off limits. Shea's off limits. Obviously. Everyone else, if you can bring in a really talented young player as well, they could go. I think they need another big, probably someone. They definitely need another big. That's (laughs) that's like the glaring piece right Right, now. They need another big, bro. They got plenty of guards. They got the best guard. Chet cannot be your center guarding Jokic. He needs to be a free-roaming guy so he can use his length and be a shot blocker. Not a guy that's like banging down there. It's also going to take away from his offense. He's doing too much. Right. They need a big guy inside. Um, so I'd like to see OKC do that. You, they get that, we can have a different conversation. All right, cool. um, but for now, I have them fourth. Third is Minnesota. Second is the Suns because they're playing so well and they're dangerous with those three playing well, especially those two hooping like they are right now. And number one is the Clippers. They are yeah. the real fucking deal. Those are the threats to the number one Denver. To the, to the team of, yeah. of Denver. Yes, Denver's obviously the overall number one. But I think the biggest threat right now to the Clippers is, um, I mean, to the, to the Nuggets is the Clippers. And then right behind them, the Suns. So yeah, man, you know, it's it's uh, it's good to see, man. We're, we're seeing moves be made, new coaching hires and fires. Like you said, you can't get one without the other. It's gonna be. It's been a crazy um, week, and I think it's only going to get crazier yeah, until that deadline. We got another week or two, and... It's going to be crazy regardless. We're either going to see trades happen. That's going to give us a whole lot to talk about. Or we're going to see nothing happen, which is probably not going to happen. But if even if nothing happened, the fact that nothing happened with certain teams that need certain pieces, we talk about it. Right. We get to be like, yo, why didn't such and such get such and such? Right. This team is missing this. Why didn't they make this team? Now they're going in the summer. Now we could talk about all these different things. And we scenarios. get the clarity to see, like, who, okay, now we know what the teams look like. And now we can say, all right, this is who's going to win the title. Yeah, yeah. Now we have clarity being like, yo, this is what Boston's like. This is what Milwaukee's like. This right. is what this team, whatever, whatever. I think we both think the Lakers aren't contenders right now, but we just know they're going to make a move. So we're like, still have them around there because we're like, okay, let's see what move they make. They're looking at a different situation. But yeah, no, it's been exciting. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Yeah, this is going to be dope, man. Um, and, you know, 
we're seeing these young, talented players play every night, just continue to elevate our game. 70 points, uh, 60 points, you know, book 46 last night, good rivalry with him and Luca. Chet Wimby, good rivalry between two talented rookies who are going to be carrying the game forward. There's a lot of positive things that are happening in the NBA. There's a lot of questions this summer me and you talked about. Face of the NBA, when LeBron's gone, what's going to happen? We just did a whole pod not even talking about the Lakers LeBron. We got a lot of other things going on and a lot of other talent is being, you know, it's flourish, flourishing throughout the league. And that's exciting, man. You know, we're always talking about Steph Curry. We're always talking about LeBron James. We're always talking about Kevin Durant. It's nice that like there's these other players that are really blossoming into the NBA. And we have a lot going for us right now in terms of guys who are dominating that aren't always the usual suspects. It's pretty dope. Um, and uh, I'm excited for these next couple of weeks, man. We'll see what happens. Everybody out there, be safe. Please do not forget to like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at The Off Guard Podcast, as well as on TikTok. Um, we are building that out now. So the more you follow us, the more content we're going to put out. We are glowing up, blowing up, and we can't do that without you and your support. So we appreciate y'all. Y'all have a safe weekend. And make sure you tweet us too. Tweet at us too. Tweet at us, seriously. Tweet us questions. Like people who are listening to our pod, reach out, DM, tweet. We want that engagement, man. It only actually makes it more fun for me and Pasha. It makes it feel like we really are doing this together as a team. So make sure you tweet at us as well. Y'all be safe.